Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. Different guys. Uh, I, they're least, very different. At least the little bit of the personalities I've seen. Yeah, uh, they, they're, their they're, personalities they probably are... don't go out at night together. <laughs> Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. This is the pecking order. Today's topic, our favorites of Guardy's favorites. Here are Mackie and Judd. Oh, this is amazing. The All most right. difficult list I have, I think, ever put together. I think I believe I counted that I went 20 deep and had to pare it down to 10. I don't know what to do here either. I got. You're going to go first. Okay. Uh, bottom of the hour, Paul Fenton press conference, new GM of the Wild. But, yeah, these are in honor of Guardy back in town, looking great, 40 pounds slimmer. He just looks healthier. Uh, our favorite players, who were Guardy's favorite players. <laughs> You go ahead. Okay, do do you want some of the ones who didn't make the final cut? Should I start off with a couple no, of those? Because I think because, you and I might have some differentiation. Okay. So let's just okay. go with your list, and then we All can right. throw out some honorable mentions. This, this is truly a list of some of my, my favorite uh, Guardy Twins players who battled their tail off. Number 10, <laughs> so many outfield choices, Jason Tyner. Jason Tyner had to make my list. Couldn't hit a ball out of I a looked phone it up. booth. I looked it up. He got about three years with the Twins, but the last one he played all of the time. Number nine, a guy who eventually went to Washington and made Frank Robinson cry. But before he did that, Gardy liked to use him, Matthew Lee Croy. Wow. The catcher with wow. absolutely no arm, wow. jolly, good-looking, fat fellow, Matthew Lee Croy is number nine. Wow. Number eight, a regular outfielder in 2002 who I believe ended up marrying a Twins PR person, Dustin Moore. Dustin Moore is number eight. <laughs> Hold on a second. Um, so Tyner, okay. Lee Croy, Dustin Moore. I love how you're going through kind of like, this is a very specific era of Twins baseball. But this it, is like 10, it changes. 12 years it's, ago. It, it's going to change here. Uh, number seven, I, I pulled a Phil Mackey trick here and combined two pitchers to make them one. I'll just call them Brian Blackburn. Brian Brian Black- Dunsing Black- and Nick Blackburn. <laughs> they battled their tails off. They By met the way, well. Two of the nicest dudes they meant well. ever on the planet. A little bit insecure about their pitching abilities, but yes. Uh, number six, I stick with the pitching theme and go go with the guy who I, I like to call Sudden Sam. Sam Duduno. Sam Deduno, who kept getting run out there for starts, and we always kept saying, man, his stuff's pretty electric, but, and he was walking the yard, Sam Deduno is number six. Sam Deduno always reminded me of, like, the those movies where, or the stories you see where a nine-year-old kid will hop into a vehicle and drive it around, and you'll just see, like, 
the aftermath of some kid getting in the vehicle yes. and crashing it through that was home the plate. front of a grocery store. That was home plate with yeah. Sam Duduno on the ball skipping by. It's like a nine-year-old yeah. getting into a, ro- a Range Rover. It, they can drive anywhere. It can go fast. It's a, like he had mid-90s fastball movement. Mm-hmm. He had braking stuff. He had and walks. had zero idea where he was throwing it. Yes. Ever. So those are 10 through 6. I will now... now I want you to know that we do not match on any of our. Okay, yet. good. Now, 5 through 1, we are done with uh, Judd's pitching portion of this list. We are not done, however, with outfielders. Number 5, Lou Ford. <laughs> Lou Ford. What more can I say about Lou Ford? Now, Lou is the guy that tried to iron... It, Lou is the, is the guy that, that, that tried to iron the shirt while it was on, Correct. I was just gonna say, I believe, yeah, that's and love one video story. Games. He tried to, uh, yeah, he tried to iron a button-up shirt while he was wearing it. I also heard stories that Lou Ford was into like World of Warcraft or that's what, what were those games from like I, those computer games, those early internet games. Yes, and he would go to road cities, and instead of you know most guys go out to eat, maybe go to a club, whatever, get a couple cocktails, and live in the big league lifestyle, and Lou Ford. Would go and like meet people from the internet. Very that he would, like. That he would play. The, Very Chris Cluey like. Just <laughs> be like at a coffee shop talking World of Warcraft with a fan. So number five is Lou Ford. Number four is a guy who got a corner locker, partially because Guardy liked him, and partially because the Twins were just so damn bad at the time. Jamie Carroll. Jamie Carroll struck me as a Guardy player because Guardy, and, and he tried hard, and he was a nice player. But Jamie Carroll, when you have to award a guy like that a corner locker, something's really gone wrong yeah. with your franchise. Jamie Carroll is number four. Good. It's no, a great list. Three, two, and one. Two-thirds of it are taken up by catchers, including this guy. Still playing for the Kansas City Royals to this day. But I, I looked this up today. I forgot. There was one particular season in which Drew Butera couldn't not play. He was playing constantly. Poor Drew. Drew Butera, the son of a former Twins catcher, Sal Butera is number three on my list. Number two, and I just did this because this is my favorite Guardy thing of all time. <laughs> Maurer catches the night game. You got a day game coming up, right? <laughs> well, you don't want to tinker with the lineup. So Mike Redmond's got a bat third after, after keeping the team loose by walking through the locker room stark naked. Yes. The naked walk. Smell him. Mike Redman, number he two. He would take naked batting practice sometimes, too, during the uh, 2006 season where they were, I think it was 06. Yeah, he was on the 06 team where yeah. Maurer got injured or something. So great. Yep. And he would, just to loosen the guys up, go take some naked batting practice. I think, if I remember right, the things that led to the Twins turnaround in June were Justin Morneau snapping out of it, Francisco Liriano being called up, and Mike Redman taking naked batting naked practice guy? without a bat. Oh, that's great if stuff. you know what I mean. That's, that's great baseball stuff. And number one on my list has to be, to me, the quintessential guardy guy. Grinder would slide into first base, would do anything to win the ball game until, I believe he made the stupid base running play at the Metrodome against the Yankees in the playoff game, but he's still a guardy guy, Nick Punto. Wow. Nick yeah, Punto is my number one guy. So my top ten, my my favorite players who were Guardy's favorite players are <laughs> Nick Punto, Mike Redman, Drew Butera, Jamie Carroll, Lou Ford are my top five. Six through ten, Sam Duduno. I'll call him Brian Blackburn because it's a combination of Nick Blackburn and Brian Dunsing. Dustin Moore, Matthew LeCroy, Jason Tyner. That's a pretty good list there. That's a really... That's a pretty good list. And, and I'm telling you right now, there are, there are ten guys below them 
who I begrudgingly left off the list. So don't bring them up because I don't want okay. spoiler alerts. Uh, you and I have, it's we match on a, on some, but we have pretty different lists, including the guy I have number one on my list was not on your list. The beautiful. See, that's even better. I have a player. And, and you covered him, so you are probably right, but that's great. Yeah. Um, favorite players who were Guardy's favorite players. The number one guy on this list that I have next was not on yours. All right. We'll also get to at the bottom of the hour the Paul Fenton press conference from the XL Energy Center. And um, later on, too, we have some reckless wolves speculation. Temperatures are heating up. Yeah, this is not in good. In Speculationville. But Judd has a word for prime mortgage lending. First. I do indeed. And if you're considering mortgage companies out there, let me suggest my friends at Prime and Kent McCullough. And I want to suggest them because the most important thing to keep in mind, and I've been talking about this for months now, but this isn't about simply selling you on something. Prime wants to earn your trust first. In fact, they would rather sit down with you and earn your trust than sell you a loan. And you're saying, that sounds too good to be true. But I'm going to tell you, this means the Prime would love to have you as a client, and they do want to meet with you and sit down first and explain that plan, but then the decision is up to you. That's because this is about a couple of very important things when it comes to all walks of life. It comes to sports. It comes to business, teamwork, and collaboration. It's what Prime and Ken are all about. It's what they believe in. And if you're shopping for a new mortgage, you can count on Prime to give you sound advice and straight answers. Prime, for instance, wants to take some of the mystery out of the mortgage process for you. Did you know Prime may be able to put together a program that can actually pay your closing cost, not just include them in your loan, but as I just said, actually pay them for you. The website, goprimewithkent.com. Goprimewithkent.com. That's goprimewithkent. K-E-N-T. Attention! Radio alert. Mackie and Judd now continue on 1500. This is the pecking order. Today's topic, our favorites of Guardy's favorites. Here are Mackie and Judd. <laughs> This is one of the best pecking orders of all time. Hat tip, Dave Harrigan, executive producer of the pecking order on a weekly basis. Give your list again. Okay. And then I'll go through my 10. We don't match on a lot, which is good. Uh, starting at number one, Nick Punto. Mike Redmond, number two. Drew Buterin, number three. Jamie Carroll, four. And Lou Ford, five. Sam DeDuno, six. Seven, a combination that I'm calling Brian Blackburn, which, of course, is Brian Dunsing and Nick Blackburn. Number eight from the 2002 season played on a regular basis, I think, in left field, Dustin Moore. Yeah. Number nine, Matthew LeCroy, who tried to catch and eventually was used at DH and then eventually was just let go. And number 10, sort of representing a hodgepodge of outfielders and utility guys and just guys that Guardies loved, I picked Jason Tyner. Okay. So Jason Tyner is my 10th and final pick. All right. You're going to see, in fact, you know what? I don't know if you're going to see either one of my top two coming. Okay. The, the top two on my list were not on your list, which is what makes the pecking order great. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you and I, you and I see the playing field a little bit differently, and uh, we'll start with number ten. Mike Pelfrey's on my list. I think Gardy was frustrated sometimes by pace of play with Mike Pelfrey, but he just loves those like big lug personality types. Like Mike Pelfrey was a great guy. Uh, he he got up there, threw the living fire out of the ball. Yeah, he would take the ball. He would take the he ball. He would take the ball. Yep. That's what we like about Pell. And And you could put Blackburn in this category, too, where like they would give up a crooked number in the first inning. They'd give up three runs, and it would take an hour to get out of the first inning. But then they'd settle down a little bit. Yes. And they'd make it. <laughs> and they, right? And they'd what make it. What was quote about that, though? He'd always praise that. Really settled down a little bit. Yeah. And he, and he gave you a chance <laughs> to win. So this was, and Mike Pelfrey was kind of a poster child for this, but 
where you give up like four runs in the first inning or the second inning, and it's just the wheels are off. But then you make it through five, and it's and the score is four to two. You made it through five, so really your ERA is almost nine. But because you gave up the runs early in the start, it's a better start because right. you gave the team a chance to win later in the game. Like Mike Pelfrey was that guy. I think he's spot on. Yeah, <laughs> nailed it. Oh, Cardi. Uh, Blackie would give up, or Baker would give up like a three-run bomb in the first inning, and then he'd kind of settle, settle down, down a little down. bit. Right. Always solid, make it through five and a third. Yeah, always settle and down. then he'd always have to. He so he'd give give up the four spot in the first inning or the three spot, and then give up another one in like the fifth on his way out. But really, like, dialed in between the third, fourth, and maybe early part of the fifth inning. So, Mike Pelfrey, <laughs> number 10. Uh, a tie for number 9 are the light-hitting catchers that you mentioned. I'm putting Mike Redmond and Drew Butera in a tie for number 9 on this list. Uh, you went over this already, but, like, Mike Redmond, decent hitter, not a number 3 hitter. Right. But Guardy loved him so much, he just thought that Maurer and Redmond were interchangeable in that season or two. I don't want to disrupt Morno. I don't want to have yep. to move Morney up or whoever else, like Cuddy, Tory. We want to make sure those guys are all settled in to their batting slot. And so Mike Redman batted third, and the right fielder would literally just play like in the back pocket of the second baseman, mm-hmm. and they would just play for that little flare to opposite field that Mike Redman would hit. And then Drew Butera, I mean, you could have pulled three players from any town ball team in the, in the Twin Cities, and they would have had a better chance of hitting a ball over an outfielder's head. But, hey... Put him in that lineup. Good with the pitching staff, though. Great with the pitching Guys staff. Guys love to throw to him. Yep. Couldn't hit his way out of a wet paper uh, it didn't bag. Didn't matter to Guardy. Um, and and Drew Butera also at one point during the minimum wage phase of his career, where guys would make five hundred thousand dollars a year for the first few years, the Twins gave him like seven hundred fifty thousand dollars just because they liked him. <laughs> so they gave him like a quarter of a million dollars more than so the most guys cheap. would. They were rewarding Drew no, Butera. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, so those those are tied for number nine. I have an unprecedented block in my pecking order here. Okay. Three through eight are all interchangeable. Sure. It's the switch hitting middle infielder, utility type. Okay. And so shuffle up three through eight, Nick Punto, Jamie Carroll, Danny Santana, Alexi Casilla, Matt Tolbert, and not to be forgotten, Luis Rodriguez from like 10 years ago. You guys remember Luis Rodriguez? Yes. Spent three or four years as a twin super utility guy, played every position, was a switch hitter, and hit 215. If you hit 215 but batted from both sides of the plate and could bunt the ball and played every infield position, you were a guardy favorite. I forgot Matt Tolbert. Darn it. How could you forget Matt Matt Tolbert? Matt Tolbert is such a guardy guy. Now, if you're going to rank those guys in terms of like how much guardy loved those guys, I think you're right. Punto's number one. And Jamie Carroll's probably number two. Beyond that, I think Alexi Casilla might be number three because he had so much upside and potential, and he kept getting that starting job, shortstop or second base to start the year. Yep. The fake bunting. You got the we're gonna fake bunt, pull it back, slap it here, slap it there. You can really handle the bat. Uh, and I think it's one of the Guardi rules where if you play second, you bat second. So all these guys, all of them, batted second in the order on a regular basis. Yes. So Punto, Jamie Carroll, Danny Santana, Alexi Casilla. <laughs> You had to move the guy over, right? I love it. Like, first guy, so Shannon Stewart or whoever else, Denard Span gets on first base. You bunt him over, and then Maurer knocks him in or draws a walk, and then Morneau knocks him in, and then the opposing team hits a three-run bomb in the bottom of the inning. It doesn't matter. Uh, All right. 
number one and number two were not on your list. And I'm, I promise I'm not just trying to be contrarian guy here. Because right. I showed Dave the baseball reference page for one of these guys. Okay. Number two, our favorite players who are Guardy's favorite players. Cleet Thomas. He's on my honorable mention list. Okay. Genius. He's on my honorable mention. He's on my honorable mention list. Wonderful recall for both of you. you Came over from Cleet the Tigers. Tom- he was he had a pretty good year with the Tigers. Yeah. So you saw him in the division, right? Yes. Got to see a guy. Actually, another guy who could be on this list, but he only made it like three weeks into his first season was Dusty Hughes. Of this other category would be mm. like player that you saw in the division a few times. It was pretty tough against you, so let's sign him up. Oh, a guardy right? guy from a different team who we're came like, to yeah, your team. Yeah. Like Jason Kubel had a tough time picking up Dusty Hughes out of the left hand, you know, slot. Oh, let's sign him up. Well, Cleet Thomas was a guy, and those were some dark years for the Twins. I mean, it wasn't like Guardy was reaching into a deep bag of prospects or big time players, but another guy who could barely hit his weight, right? Mm-hmm. And he's out there in center field, just diving around. Mm-hmm. And if I remember too, because I covered that beat. Cleet Thomas had an uncle who would listen to local sports talk radio and read all the articles and would constantly, like if you had an article about uh, the Twins are on a three-game winning streak and, you know, pick a player. Like Ben Revere has been really good. Cleet Thomas's uncle would always chirp in the comment section, what about Cleet Thomas? He had a hit yesterday. Cleet Thomas had a double. You got to write more about Cleet Thomas. I had no idea. Number two. And number one... (laughs) My favorite player who was Guardy's favorite player. Mm-hmm. I'm going to describe this and see if you can guess who it is, all right? All right. Because it was a brief it was a brief stint and just a brief flash. It was like a half season. This guy was one of the most used pitchers for Ron Gardenhire in August and September of 2009. The last game he ever pitched in the major leagues was game 163 against Detroit where he picked up the win and finished off the final inning in a third. Treacherous waters. He navigated. Minor league journeyman, Bobby Keppel. Oh, I never would have gotten a thousand years. Wow. Ron no. Gardenhire fell no, so no in chance. love. He fell so in love with Bobby Keppel. Bobby Keppel. That he used Bobby Keppel in the most important situation of the biggest game of the year, and that's the last time he ever pitched in the major leagues. Bobby Keppel. No, I would not have gotten that. We could have sat here for the rest of the afternoon, and I would have never gotten that. Guardy rode Bobby Keppel. Once Bobby became like an option, oh, we're going to call up a random pitcher, and Guardy was like, the ball really comes out of that guy's hand. He used Bobby Keppel 14 times in September of 2009. Every day, Bobby. The Guardyisms are so great, though. (laughs) Ball sure flies out of his hand. And it worked. Like, Bobby Keppel... Bobby Keppel had a great run for two months and pitched in the biggest spot of the season in 2009, and uh, that was it. He's, he literally has never pitched in the big league since game one. Well, congratulations on coming up with a name that I didn't, I didn't even look at today. So Bobby Oops. Keppel, number one. Cleet Thomas, number two. Uh, a tie from, just shuffle them up from three through eight, the switch-hitting, light-hitting middle infielders of Nick Punto, Jamie Carroll, Danny Santana, Alexi Casilla, Matt Tolbert, and Luis Rodriguez. A tie for ninth, the light-hitting catchers, Mike Redmond and Drew Butera, and Mike Pelfrey is number 10. My top two left off were Cleet Thomas and my my bunny's buddy, Darren Mastriani. Oh, Mastro! Oh, Dude, my, my bunny's buddy. He's still, I think he's one. still at the bar sometimes. <laughs> and I'm not kidding you guys. Mastro loved him. Great speed out in the center. Mastro couldn't, yeah. couldn't keep the hamstrings on the bone, but... Nope. So, honest to God, of all the players, like when you're covering Twins beat and you're, just, you're talking to opposing players, you talk to all these players. 
Darren Mastriani, one of the baseball smartest players I've ever talked to. Really? I don't know like how life smart he is or whatever, but got talking one time for an hour about just the mechanics of stealing bases and how mm-hmm. like he's fast but not the fastest guy and there's like little things you can look for and like how you're like and I was I was just sitting there like wow you're going to I don't know he, I'm sure he's going to coach at some point if he wants to but that's a great one. I think I almost think he should have cracked your 10. I almost well Tyner was 10 so you you Mastro could, might even be I above could, Tyner man. I could take Tyner off very easily and put Mastro or Clee Thomas on. <laughs> it would be no problem whatsoever. Some people are tweeting at us Denny Hawking. Hal says Denny Hawking. Yeah. But I feel like Denny was almost more of a Tom Kelly guy who leaked into the Ron Garden Hire era for a couple years. And I would have put Bartlett on because they, they brought him back. But if you recall Bartlett's first go, go around here, Gardy did not like Gardy got really frustrated yeah. because he didn't, he wasn't the captain of the infield. Yeah. That was all, always his line. Bartlett's supposed to be the captain out there, and he's not really the captain. Maybe next week we rank our favorite Gardy nicknames Morny, Cuddy, Lexi. Lexi. <laughs> <laughs> then there are some that like, like Dumatre, what do you do with it? Doomy? Doomy. Doomy. Dooms. Uh, when we come back, we will get to the Paul Fenton press conference. Wilds uh, naming a new GM officially today. Let's talk just for a moment first about the Chris Lindahl team and just some of the innovative things that Chris Lindahl and uh, and his team are doing at chrislindahl.com. There's a reason why this group is America's number one REMAX results team. And uh, one of the things they're trying to solve is that problem of cellophobia, you know, where like you're kind of scared to sell your home because you're not sure where you're going to live once you sell it. It's tough. It's kind of a dance that you have to go through where you want to make sure that you time it the right way. And now homes are selling so fast these days that if your home sells within a couple of days or you know, whatever, five days, you don't want to get stuck maybe moving into a temporary home or back home with the parents, whatever it is. The Chris Lindahl team is tapping into artificial intelligence that allows you access to thousands more homes than you think are available when you just go online to the standard MLS. It's an exclusive way to tap into a huge market of available homes that you otherwise wouldn't and get over that cellophobia. ChrisLindahl.com. That's Chris with a K or seven. This is where the magic starts. Mackie and Judd now continue. Showtime. On 1500 ESPN. All right, Mackie and Judd, we're just waiting on word from New Wild GM as of today. It's official, the introductory press conference coming up shortly on 1500 ESPN. Paul Fenton. Look at our guy Chris There's Long Chris in a Long. dapper navy blue suit. Front and center. Yeah. Talking to the competition, though. I don't know if that's allowed. Boy, that's yeah, that's two rival they're TV like, guys having a conversation. They're like big buddies, too. That's wow. disturbing, to say the least. Um, so, what are your thoughts on... Paul Fenton. Uh, to me, the most interesting dynamic to this entire thing is actually Fet- what Fenton. So Fenton is 58 years old. And what I'm curious to know, and that this is just going to take time to play out, his vision, it took it took a long time for this to for this to actually happen. I thought this hire might happen as soon as the Predators got uh, eliminated from the playoffs. And I wonder if he told his buddy Craig, hey, Craig, here's the deal. I'll take the job. I want the job. But this is not a tweet, Craig. We have like, an I'm Acme not, dynamite stick. Like, I'm not coming yeah. in here. I'm not coming in here and taking on the Parisi, Suter, and Koivu contracts and telling you that that this is a tweak. This is a lot more than that. Because I think I think what Craig said was partially for the fan base. Because if you say we're blowing her up, boys and girls, people are going to be like, what? Uh, so that I'm curious about. The other thing I'm curious about is this. Uh, Boudreaux is 63 years old at this point. He's not used to rebuilds. Like he ordinarily goes to places and wins immediately. And if you recall, when when he came here 
uh, and signed a four-year contract, which he's two years into now. Boudreaux came here basically as the finishing piece. Like it was going to be, Bruce was going to get all the things in the playoffs that Mike Yo couldn't. And so the the working dynamic between Fenton and Boudreaux to me is going to be interesting to watch. I think Boudreaux is a very good coach. He might not be the right coach for Paul Fenton long term. Interesting. Yeah, I think there's a real chance Although, he might be like, ah, this is not why I came here. Couldn't you say, couldn't you make the case though that a Bruce Boudreaux has not been the coach for anyone long term, and b most hockey coaches in the NHL sure. aren't long term anyway, sure. right? Um, it sounds like we're getting ready to fire this thing up here at the XL Energy Center. Paul Fenton at New Wild GM. Let's eavesdrop in on either the press conference or reporters chattering chattering with each other. We were just told it's about to begin. We're rummaging about. Here we go. Let's rummage. Rummage, rummage. We're set. Everybody's ready to go. Cameras are good. Yeah, we're ready. Yeah, we're set. Yeah. Phil, you set? Welcome to today's press conference. The new our new general manager, Paul Fenton. This is a very, very exciting day for us, and we're happy that uh, you're all here to join us in this announcement. I'd also like to thank the media that are in attendance today's press conference, and a special thanks to the fans watching and tuning in live on Wild.com, Fox Sports North, and our other, other broadcast partner, KFAN. Thanks for your support and coverage of today's event. 1500 ESPN. After brief comments from both Craig and Paul, we will uh, turn things over for one-on-one questions and Q&As. For the Q&A portion, we will have mics, so please raise your hand and just state your affiliation, and uh, we'll do questions that way. I would now like to turn things over to Minnesota Wild owner Craig Leopold. Thank you, Aaron. Good morning again. Uh, let me start by welcoming Coach Boudreau, and uh, the hockey op staff is over here, and we also have a couple of our players, uh, Miko, Zach, and Ryan, were working out and doing their... their uh, uh, off-season workout today and we're fortunate that they were available to come so guys thank you all for being here we've got a big part of our organization uh, that's represented because this is a, a very very exciting day for us uh, let me again say that I could not be happier than having Paul Fenton join the state of hockey um, we conducted a, a very thorough interviewing process and spoke to numerous qualified candidates. But there was one person that stood out among all of them really throughout the entire process, and that would be Paul. On all measures, Paul won the job, but the areas that stand out with Paul are his overall experience, his strength as a player evaluator, his work and ethic, most importantly, he wants to win a Stanley Cup. I've known Paul since my early days in Nashville with the Nashville Predators, and that familiarity will help us hit the ground running here in Minneapolis, St. Paul, Minnesota, starting this afternoon. His record in Nashville building their current roster, primarily through drafting and developing, speaks for itself. Paul has been a key contributor in Nashville's success. Paul also has been involved in key trades that put the finishing touches on the roster in Nashville. That experience, that experience will serve him greatly here. As I said before, I am confident we have a very good team here in Minnesota, and I believe Paul shares that opinion with me as, as well. I will also say that the other candidates that we spoke with all had that same belief. The goal remains to bring a Stanley Cup to the state of hockey. And, and no pressure, Paul. 
but that is where it starts today. And ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to introduce to you the new general manager of the Minnesota Wild, Paul Fenton. Let's see what he has to say on, first before. I'm not applauding him yet. Stand up, Judd. Trade quarter first. We were raised in a state with a pair of Okay, now I'll Oh, showing the jersey. Fenton, 18. Fenton, 18. Leopold hasn't shaved in five years. It's been a long process. It has been. Yes. This, the, uh, this photo, photo op. Summit fall. Oh, first of all, uh, Sid. thank you, Craig. Uh, the the assessment, the kind words as to my qualifications. I'm, I'm, I, I thank you for that. I thank you, uh, Matt, as well, in the process here of interviewing. Um, it had been a long time. I've been waiting for this moment for, for a while, and I'm thrilled to be here in the state of hockey. Uh, coming from Massachusetts, it's uh, uh, where we, we thought there was a, uh, a good hockey bed. I don't think there's anything like this in the country, and I'm really looking forward to being here. Um, first of all, I, I want to thank my wife of 34 years who's sitting here, Nona. She, uh, she's been the rock of everything that we do. Um, my two boys are here with my daughter-in-law, Stephanie. PJ and Stephanie have uh, our granddaughter, who soon will be four this summer, Emery. Um, uh, we, we just love them to death. My, my youngest son, Owen, is over here. Uh, PJ actually works in hockey as well. He works with the Edmonton Oilers, so the enemy is here as well. Um, <laughs> My son Owen uh, has his PhD from MIT. He is a chemist, and um, yes, for those of you who are guessing, he is my son. My wife can take credit, but, uh, but I'm trying to latch on to him as well. Um, this is going to be a great opportunity. I'm so looking forward to being here. Uh, our coach is here, Bruce. I look forward to working with him, uh, Miko, Zach and Ryan, who I drafted in Nashville uh, and have a relationship with because of that. Uh, I am so much looking forward to working with this leadership group. Uh, our, our team is not very far. I've, I've been brought here to, to try and tweak this process and to get us to win a Stanley Cup. And that's what our goal is going to be from, from day one. Um, it's been a pleasure meeting the staff this morning. I'm going to try to uh, acclimate myself with everybody, as I've said before. If, if I don't know your name, tell me a couple times because it, it it's been a little bit of a whirlwind going on. But I'm here to work. I'm here to, to put, put a stamp on this thing. And, uh, uh, you know, we're not leaving until we do the right thing. Good. Thank you. We'll now open things up for questions. So please raise your hand if you have a question for Paul. Or Craig. Go ahead, Jim. My name's Jim Rich. I work with Fox 9 here in Minneapolis. Welcome. First off, in the press conference that Mr. Leopold had when he announced the decision to make a change, he said he would not hire a general manager that said this has to be a total teardown. What did you tell him about this roster, about what the Wild have? And how do you feel you can fix this? 
I don't know if it's a if it's a fixing process, but what I did tell him is that this team is very good. Um, certainly, you always have to make tweaks and changes to to rosters, and uh, you know, to come here to a team that has been in the playoffs six times, it obviously doesn't need to be overhauled. This is you have a lot of really good veteran pieces, young guys that are coming, and I'm looking forward to just trying to put some finishing touches to help us win. Craig, Michael Russo from The Athletic. During this whole process that you were getting intelligence from other uh, people, did your opinion change at all about the path that this uh, franchise needs to take in terms of tweaking and things like that? And, and Paul, could you also kind of take us through the agony that you've had over the years of trying to get to this spot now that you are now general manager, Paul Fenton? Yeah, Mike, that's a, that's a good question because, you know, of the people that we brought in, um, they were all experienced people. A couple of them have been general managers before. And unanimously, they recognize that we are a team that is just, we're just missing a, a piece. And, I mean, making the playoffs six years in a row tells you a lot about our team. We're a damn good team. We just need to maybe get to the next level, the next step, and what does that take? And uh, hopefully Paul is going to help us get to that point. And I think of the, inter the interviews that, I, that we had, Paul was the one that we felt was uh, best experienced, most experienced. Um, uh, the, the people that I spoke with about Paul could not in, in any greater terms describe a person that, that wanted to win more than Paul wants to win it and that we'll work harder to do it. So, um, you know, as we went through the process, we heard a lot of good things about our team and we kept feeling better and better that, and, and it really reinforced what we thought is that this is not a rebuild, it's a, it's a tweaking. Um, Mike, for, for me, uh, I've had a few interviews over, over time. I just don't think it was the right situation. Um, uh, fortunately, I think Craig has known me for a long time, even though it was in a different capacity, and it, and it just, he probably felt some comfort with me because of the way that I um, talk about things, the passion that I, that I try to bring to uh, your, your organization, your staff. Um, I am, I'm very passionate about what I do. Um, I am very family orientated, um, not only with them over there on our left, but this organization uh, has a very good substance to it, and I want to bring family atmosphere here. I want to I want to have have us all be together as a family because when you work as a family and you have the right intentions, I believe that you're gonna you're gonna be able to win here, and and that's the biggest the biggest thing that I I'm gonna bring here is an inclusiveness and uh, passion that people are gonna the want to go that extra mile to to help us win. Go ahead, Murphy. Uh, Brian Murphy, St. Paul Pioneer Press. Over here, Paul. Thank you. Um, as you were going through the interview process, and based on what you've been able to evaluate thus far the roster, what is missing from making this a successful postseason team? Should I go one to ten on what's missing, or um, <laughs> if there's ten, go yeah. for it. Um, certainly, I I've just got here. Um, I've I've told Craig what I think the possibilities of different tweaks that we can make, but. Uh, honestly, let me meet with our staff. I haven't even met with our staff yet to really get their their take on it. The fun part about my job 
is being able to now go hear the insides of what's happening here. I will lean on our leaders over here to to give me their insight as well. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna talk to everyone. I want to. I want to get to know what our organization has. What what their opinions are. Meld it together. See what my eyes. I've been very successful being able to determine what talent level I'm looking for, um, evaluating players. And I, and I may just have a, a different set of eyes than, than what has been here before, and it, and it hopefully tweaks something that we're going we're gonna to be able to get here. Paul, this is uh, Chris Hine from the Minneapolis Star Tribune right Thank here. Um, in Nashville, you guys were never afraid to make trades that maybe surprised the league and, and shook up the, the roster. Do you plan on adopting maybe a similar mindset here, being aggressive when the situation might present itself in the trade market? I would have to say yes. Um, I I like to think outside the box. Um, I like our people to think outside the box. I I think that um, when you look at the moves that we made there, they were there. We made hockey trades. We were able to make hockey trades. And a lot of times in this this new cap world that we have, you're you're not able to do that. But we had a creative set of people that that looked at the situation and tried to evaluate it and then make the right call. So, you know, I'll look at small trades, I'll look at big trades. Um, whatever is going to improve this organization going forward to give us a chance to win the Stanley Cup, we're going to look at. Paul, this is Damien time with the St. Paul Pioneer Press. Uh, you mentioned you've been working at this for a long time. Was there a moment you doubted that this moment would come? I don't know if there's a doubt. Um, you know, it, it's interesting if you ever tried to get to the next level, sometimes uh, you, you do get frustrated. You're looking at it and you're saying, is my time ever going to come? But no, uh, there was never a give up uh, uh, process for me. Um, I come from a, from a working background as well. My dad was a police officer and uh, you know, he's, he's the reason that I'm here. So uh, like, I will never give up. That's the biggest thing. I give everything that I can to make this organization successful. Paul Jess Myers with 1500 ESPN Radio. The draft is one month from today. What's that timeline going to look like for you? I'm guessing you generally spend more than a month prepping for a draft. Yeah, I don't think I'm going to sleep the next month. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, the, the, the strength of every organization, is, as Craig was saying, is the draft. It's the draft. It's the way that we develop. It's the way that we're going to put our minor league system in place. Uh, you know, I've run Milwaukee for pretty much 20 years uh, had a hand in there even when I was the director of player personnel uh, uh, I believe that your 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 minor league team has to be your vaulting stone to get to the next level uh, when we made the Stanley Cup finals two years ago I think we had 17 drafted players that had come uh, from Milwaukee uh, it, uh, that's a great feather in our cap for our staff for the development people for our coaches that are there the last six coaches that we hired in Milwaukee made their way to the NHL or had come from the NHL and have, have become successful. And so it's getting the right people in place. Uh, I want to evaluate everything that we have here before anything is uh, determined. But that's the biggest part is to draft and develop, put the right plan in place, and then go forward. Hi, Paul. Sarah McClellan from the Star Tribune. Hi. Hi, Sarah. Why did this situation appeal to you, and, and what about the roster stands out as strengths to build off right now? Well, the thing that is, is most attractive is, you know, Craig has given this organization the opportunity to be a cap team right from the very, very beginning. Um, there, there, are gonna, there, there is no 
uh, floor here. We have the opportunity to to put pieces in place and, and not have to worry about it. He's been a phenomenal owner, uh, giving them the opportunity to, to have a chance to win. The, the roster, as you say, has um, some star players, has some young players that are that are growing and getting better, and and I see it as an opportunity to, that we can grow together. Paul, Dave Campbell, Associated Press. What do you think is the most important thing for you to move from that number two guy to the guy in charge of everything, as sort of your mindset as you relate to people and make decisions? I don't know if there's one thing. Um, you know, the staff in Nashville that, that primarily I put together because of uh, my relationships with the different guys and the scouts, it, it puts you in that position regardless if you believe it or not. Like, there's always a point guy, but um, I, I just think it's probably just being out here in the public and and being the one that's asked the, the questions from you guys instead of, uh, you know, the people that are behind the, the closed doors that you're really making the decisions about. Uh, Craig, Jim Suhan, Minneapolis Star Tribune. Was it just you and Mike making the decision? Did you have anybody else's sounding board? And did you have to guard at all against hiring somebody you obviously like and respect so much? Did you have to, you know, weigh that? It, it, it was Matt Maka, not Mike Russo. It was Matt. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, yes, it really was. I mean, it really was the two of us. And, uh, yeah, I'd say that there was, I, you know, one reason I had Matt in there is to kind of keep me honest on everything. And, you know, going into this, I would say probably Paul was number one on my list. And, um, and, and as we had our list and, and, and the list kept growing and we kept interviewing people, he, he just stayed number one. And there were, there were just so many what we felt were really important factors that and 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 qualities that we were looking for that Paul has and um, you know going into the last week or so you know I'm 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 still wondering okay who's it going to be we got I got to make a decision but after the second round of interviews it was just clear that Paul was our guy. Any other questions? Paul Chrisine from the Star Tribune again. Um, what role do you see analytics playing in, in your job, and, and how do you foresee building up an, an analytics staff here, and, and just where does that fit in your plans for the organization? Well, certainly uh, looking at the information that's provided by the analytics team is, is always something that I, will, that I will look at and go for. Um, I don't I don't believe that any decisions are going to primarily be made by analytics, but it will support everything that we do with our eyes, and that's the most important thing. Um, I, I will use every resource that we have. All right. That was the uh, introductory press conference. There might be a couple straggler questions here, but... Welcome to the like state of tweaking. Well, we're no longer the state of hockey. We're now the state of tweaking. Well, we don't. We're we're not up against a. We we got a few minutes. Let's explore some space here. Uh, Twenty minutes mm-hmm. of Paul Fenton, new Wild GM, mm-hmm. and I know you took a bunch of notes. I think the things that stood out to me were tweaks to win the Stanley Cup. So echoing the same vision that Craig Leopold had when he let Chuck Fletcher go. Mm-hmm. And he said he's not going to be afraid to get creative and explore trades, big trades, small trades. He's, he he plans on at least attempting to be very a- very uh, active in the trade market. Which Nashville was. And N- Nashville was good at that 
something else that's important to keep in mind. The um, the Nashville Predators used their farm club in, in Milwaukee as a very important springboard for their team. The Wilds Farm Club in Iowa has been mostly just awful, and they've just pulled parts fr- from it. They've pulled parts consistently, and that team's been a been bad. Uh, I think you're going to see a very different philosophy in player development. I think you're going to see trades. I also think what you have here is a press conference where nobody, nobody in their right mind, if you own this team or just got this job, no one's going to get up there and be like, well, we've been a playoff team for six consecutive years and we're blowing her up. But the true intention, and and by the way, something to, to keep in mind that's very important here, you can't blow this up. You can't blow it up completely. Parisi, Suter, and Koivu have no move clauses. They can't be traded. I just saw a photo of them sitting in the they, back, all like Russo st- tweeted, stoic faces. Russo tweeted a photo on. in which the three of them look like like they're about to, to go for some type of rectal exams. They're sitting back there. They've got they, like they're like flashing their weapons at Paul they Fenton. Look miserable. Do not say a crossword about us. But but this te- this goes back to what we the word that I've used with you in talking about this team since the start of of this past season, and that is in some ways. And this does not mean they're terrible. They are stuck. They can't blow this up. So I think what we have here is we have a very convenient opening press conference case of let's try and put as positive spin on this as possible, which is the norm. Uh, and while we're not going to I tweak is interpreted any way you want, right? Like to me, a tweak might mean, well, you're going to trade your third line center to you. A tweak might mean we're, we're going to trade a defenseman. And so I think what we, I think the important thing here is to keep in mind what tweak means, which is what you want it to mean. Mm-hmm. You're going to see several tweaks. You're going to see lots of tweaks. Uh, the interesting thing that Fenton brought up, and I don't know if he did this intentionally and I don't know if he's been told something, but it was the only thing he said that, uh, that actually, uh, piqued my curiosity. This family atmosphere thing. Like is he is he trying to imply that he's been told that Fletcher didn't necessarily listen to people as much? It, it was. You mean uh, when you like talking about being more collaborative? He's talking about with being people more and- collaborative, and it's going to be a family because he he said I'm I'm a family guy, and then he said that includes my family, but also the organization, and then he went into detail, almost implying in my mind that that he's been told that Fletcher possibly didn't listen to a ton of people. I have no idea. Yeah, it just it uh, it got my curiosity. Uh, but I do, I do think the most important thing is don't freak out because tweak is a very simple word. Don't freak out. Nobody freak don't out. Don't freak out. Oh my God. Well, I see people oh on Twitter God. right now saying Leopold's lying. It needs to be overhauled. It needs to be blown up. There, there. He, he's not going to get up there and say that. He's just well, not. But don't you also think again? Like, I know you, you're not going to be able, to, like you said, you're not going to be able to blow it up. But secondly, this team has gone to the playoffs six years in a row. I personally don't see the moves that are going to put this team above everybody else in the Western Conference overnight. But it doesn't mean that there aren't some chess moves to be made if other GMs are pulling the wool over the eyes of, you know, yes. like four or five different teams. Those you know, there's, there's, and not to mention, like, let's be honest, if you can just get the chemistry mix right, yep. Las Vegas is about to play for a Stanley Cup, and you would never say that that's the best roster in the NHL, right? So there's things... I think we focus so much on just getting the best. How can you get better players in here? And that's definitely a factor. But is there something you can do? Are there two or three moves you can make to just tweak the chemistry of and, a team and have them go to the third round of the playoffs because of it? And when he, he responded to the question about making trades and said, said we made hockey trades, that implies very directly that guys with, with contracts who you wouldn't think would be traded are going to be traded. 
Is that what they when they when because they say they're talking a, about a salary trade? Yes, they're talking about a non hockey trade. Is is I give you I give you my salary cap problem and you take and you give me a draft pick back. A hockey trade means I'm putting together a package that includes Granlund, Coyle, and Zutter. That's a hockey trade. Do any other sports call? No, it's a silly. T- it's my That's sports a football trade. No, my sports got lots of problems. Okay. My sport's got lots of problems. But is it a, a hockey, hockey trade or is it a hockey trade? Yeah, is, is it a is it a hockey trade? But when he says that, what Fenton is directly saying is, I'm going to trade some players. Hey, he's trying to tell you, if you own a coiled jersey, get ready to change it. Are you excited for a little state fair sit-down with Paul Fenton where you can... Offer him some sweet Martha's cookies and Fenton doesn't rub, look like rub, a cookie guy to me. Rub his back a little he bit. Look, he doesn't look like a cookie guy to me. Hey Paul, why don't you sit a little there, closer? There's an off chance. I like hockey too. That after the state fair <laughs> this year, I could have a job there. I could be part of of the family. In which case, I'll be all in. It'll be me, Lapanta, Greenlay, Fenton, the entire crew, telling you how great the Wild is. You're not kidding, are you? If we're making hockey trades, I'm very happy. I want hockey trades. Give me hockey trades. Nino, Granlin, give me hockey trades. Uh, we have reckless wolf speculation to get to. Did we? Were we able to track down this audio, or was it just too impossible to find? We got it. All right. We have another log on the Tom Thibodeau, Carl Anthony Towns fire next. Uh, Jace Frederick's going to join to help us break this down. I don't even know if he knows that, but we'll, we'll just spring it on him. Uh, let's talk first about the best car dealership and service department in the Twin Cities. That would be Luther Brookdale Toyota, 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard. The SUV capital of the Twin Cities with the Highlander and the RAV4 and some great deals on both right now. You're looking for spaciousness with the RAV4, looking for handling, great gas mileage relative to most SUVs. And you can get into a brand new 2018 RAV4, again, one of the best SUVs in the world these days, for just $259 per month on a three-year lease and no money due at signing. You go in, test drive it, make sure it's comfortable, make sure it's all that uh, you've know that, that you got it built up to be. I'm not lying to you, it's a great SUV, but get a test drive, open until 9 o'clock tonight. And if you like it, Luther Brookdale Toyota will handle all the paperwork and you will go as a very happy person. Uh, if you want something more spacious, that Highlander, uh, 60 months and 0% financing.